Welcome to the Dealmakers Coffee Break, where we talk to industry pros about their success stories, deals, and market insights in just enough time for you to enjoy a cup of coffee. So grab your mug and join us for a chat with the people behind the deals. I'm Asaf Raz. Let's go. So yes, here's another episode of the Dealmakers Coffee Break Edition. We have Rich Bachner with us, and Rich has such a great history. He's done so many things. Now he's in the private equity real estate investments for H&W and family offices. He's been at Capital One. He's been at Waypoint Residentials for about five years. Equitas Capital Advisors. Like You have so much experience in real estate. So yeah, Rich, please take it away. Let us know who you are, what you do today, and we'll take it from there. Absolutely. Well, we just adopted a puppy. So right now I feel like I'm running around chasing a four-legged <laughs> furry member of the household, but, but I'm not doing that. I've been in investment management almost the entirety of my career. A long time ago, I worked for Merrill Lynch right out of uh, Tulane and then went to business school at Vanderbilt and knew that I wanted to end up in, in kind of an institutional asset management world. So I made my way to New York, was with Brown Brothers Harriman for a couple of years on the buy side talking about all different asset classes, stocks, bonds, real estate, commodities, focused on speaking with either family offices, high net worth individuals, institutional investors, pension consultants, folks like that. Spent some time at Alliance Bernstein, also in New York, ended up in New Orleans, which is where I went to undergrad. And I was there for almost 10 years, primarily with Capital One. Capital One's wealth management group was based in New Orleans. They had acquired a bank and they took the old trust department and turned that into a wealth management area for Capital One nationally. And I was one of the guys who's helping build out that business. Capital One decided at some point that they really just didn't want to stray too far from their credit card business. And they sold off the wealth management platform. And when I saw what the world was going to look like once those deck chairs were rearranged, I realized it was time for me to move on to something else. And I'd always been interested in real estate. You know, I've done some investing, you know, either passively or I own some properties, but I never really made a go of it as my full-time vocation. And I was presented with an opportunity, I guess at this point, going back six or seven years ago, to join Waypoint Residential. Waypoint is a multifamily focused developer in the Sun Belt. And I uh, had a great run there. I learned the business, you know, I used to be a mile wide and an inch deep. Now I'm an inch wide and a mile deep You know when it comes to, to real estate. Decided that it was time for me to leave Waypoint. They moved away from a deal-by-deal deal structure into a fund mm-hmm. structure, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I really find that my client base, which at this point now is primarily high net worth and families, they seem to like deals more than they like funds. Mm-hmm. I think they like looking at each deal, getting into the offering memorandum, kind of being able to cherry pick their opportunities mm-hmm. versus a fund. So obviously, you know, you're drinking the Kool-Aid of the sponsor, which is great, but you have no real input once the fund goes to work. Mm-hmm. And so I left Waypoint and I joined Alpha Investing, which is where I am now. And we are a private equity real estate shop. So as opposed mm-hmm. to being an operator or a sponsor, where all we do is our own work, our goal is to find best of breed institutional quality operators in a variety of commercial real estate sectors, do a bunch of due diligence on them. Our lead due diligence person was uh, at Lazard and Starwood and Alliance Bernstein before she came over Mm -hmm. to Alpha. Mm -hmm. Has a lot of experience underwriting and doing DD. Once we decided that we want to move forward with an operator, and right now we're in tax abatement multifamily, we are in uh, senior housing and Mm -hmm. single family rentals. Mm -hmm. 
But once we decide to move forward, we negotiate control rights. So we have the ability to say no to a sale or yes to a refi, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. We also have asset management guys on the team. So we're out walking all the properties. We're looking at financials on a regular basis. We're always on calls with our operators. But we take control rights. We bring the majority of equity to a deal. We like acquisitions. We're a cash flow shop, so we're really not doing any development at the moment. Mm-hmm. And raising money from uh, you know either individuals or families, and in some instances, smaller RIAs or foundations. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm lead capital uh, capital raising guy in the team. Fark and Daniel, the two co-founders of Alpha, have done a great job of building the platform. Mm-hmm. And the majority of our investors have come organically, friends and family, old business school professors, friends of friends, colleagues, which is a hell of a way to build a business. And I give these guys a lot of credit. It's very challenging when you potentially don't have the best news to share with an investor. Yes. And an investor has to be somebody you've known for 15 or 20 years. So very personal, and that's how we're building our network out. It's all people that are one or two degrees away from us, mm-hmm. but I'm the first outside capital raiser. So my goal is to help bring in larger investors who are writing you know, bigger checks focused on uh, you know, putting 250, 500,000 mm-hmm. per deal to work versus a lot of our investors now who are between 50,000 and 200,000. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a, what a history and what a change you've had throughout your career. Well, you focused on real estate, but the real estate investing, but it feels like you've been through various cycles of real estate, not only through the companies you've been working with or for, but also for the different market circumstances you encountered throughout your career. And I feel like people like you really understand what's happening right now. And I'd love to hear your thought about the current state of the market, which people are, you know, there's a little bit of fear. People talk a lot about how do you raise debt right now? How do you manage debt? How do you manage risks? And when I look at alpha investing, by the way, which I think connects really well, you talk about uh, providing access to institutional grade assets with compelling risk adjusted returns, right? So how do you right. kind of bring that sentence to life with the current state of the market, current conditions? And what is your strategy to kind of deal with what's going on? That's 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 good questions. Uh, uh, a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as what we're seeing in the markets, you know, I always like to say that my crystal ball is as foggy as the next crystal ball. Yeah. Otherwise, I would be having this conversation from my private Zeppelin or in the world. But, you know, I think the most dangerous words in any kind of investing uh, are, um, this time is different, mm-hmm. right? You know, people always say, this time is different and I have a secret sauce and I'm going to figure it out. You know, history, what do they say? History very rarely repeats itself, but it mm-hmm. often rides. Mm-hmm. I think what this cycle is showing us is that the cracks are not nearly as severe outside of all, you know, downtown office mm-hmm. as people thought they were going to be or want them to be. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of investors are like, Rich, you call me back when you can tell me we're going to have a 40 IRR mm-hmm. for you know short-term hold with no risk. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. You'll be my, you'll be my first, <laughs> my first, call. That out. first call. What we're seeing is that you have a lot of sellers. Uh, first of all, buyers and sellers are still disconnected, right? You know, the mm-hmm. buyers are, are here and the sellers are there. And I think that's natural. You know, everybody thinks that. Uh, what they have is better than it is, or everybody mm-hmm. thinks they should be able to buy something for less expensive than the market is dictating. Mm-hmm. So there will be an equilibrium. Mm-hmm. But you're not seeing, I mean, the sellers that need to sell now are the folks who have short-term adjustable rate debt. You're seeing that in some of the value-add multifamily. Yeah. The folks who, you know, for lack of a better word, fix and flippers in the multifamily space. Mm-hmm. And that's a formula that worked really well uh, until it didn't. And some of these folks have rate caps that will, or cap rates, that rate caps, that will allow them to navigate through this and they'll hold and they'll figure it out. 
Mm-hmm. The folks who are getting in trouble are the people who either didn't lock in a, a rate cap or it's expiring and they can't afford necessarily to extend it. So some of those folks are either going to have to turn the keys back in, but I think you know what we've seen is banks don't want to own properties. So I've, I've heard of some instances where banks are nego- renegotiating very heavily and sometimes they're even throwing in some kind of equity into the deal mm-hmm. to make it work. They don't want to take the keys back mm-hmm. or a lot of operators are obviously doing capital calls now. Mm-hmm. And a capital call isn't necessarily a bad thing. If it's a property that you believe in and an MSA that you still think makes sense, then sometimes you're better off writing that check and staying in the deal and living to fight another day. But what I see is, especially for folks who've gotten involved late in the cycle, they don't necessarily understand capital calls. Mm-hmm. And their first reaction is no. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you really think it's a crummy deal, then it should be no. But oftentimes these deals aren't crummy. And you know, if you put a, you know a couple more dollars in, mm-hmm. you're going to be happy in you know three to five years. Isn't it hard though to call capital from your existing investors after you've you've properly under you did the underwriting, right? You had your entire financial forecasting. You knew what the property is going to yield for you, and then all of a sudden you call them and you say, "Hey, I need more money." How how do you deal with that kind of circumstance? How do you deal with that situation? I think it depends on if the original thesis behind the acquisition still holds. Mm-hmm. It's not that different than owning a stock, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you like Apple and Apple, Apple dips, what do you do? You buy more mm-hmm. because your dollar cost averaging in and you want to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe in Apple, then you sell or or maybe you hold. And I think when it comes to real estate, it's very similar. You know, If you think that, let's say, I'm just going to pull an MSA mm. out of the air. Let's say it's Phoenix. Mm. If you think that Phoenix is softening, but over the long run, it's going to continue to perform and your property is not performing because you're holding it longer than you anticipated or your rate cap has expired and you need to lock in that interest rate by paying for another rate cap, mm. then that's one conversation. If you see, let's say you bought something around the thesis that Amazon was going to build a data center mm-hmm. and you thought- you perhaps needed more workforce housing. Well, Amazon pulls out and there's no more need for workforce housing. Mm-hmm. That's a different thesis. And at that point, it doesn't really make sense to move forward mm-hmm. with a project because there's no no demand for it. Mm-hmm. So yes, the, the natural reaction to most investors when they get that capital yeah. call email yeah. is like, whoa, 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 what's happening? Right. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's case mm-hmm. by case. Mm-hmm. If you believe in the thesis, then it, it, yes, I think it, it makes sense to put more money in to live to fight another day. If you think the thesis is blowing up and cut your losses, take the tax loss and move on to another investment. So take me into a tour in your um, like in your head. Why do you decide to invest in those three specific asset classes? What do you see in those yeah. compared to others? And you talked about Amazon, you talked about workforce housing, you know, so we're talking about multifamily, senior housing and single family rentals, which you're focused on with uh, Alpha Investing. What's so appealing right. about these asset classes? So what we like, I mean, we're we're asset class agnostic mm-hmm. with a caveat being that at least at this point, we want to see, we want to invest in in sectors that we consider to be needs-based mm-hmm. where people need something. You don't need to go shopping at a strip mall. You don't need to stay in a hotel, yeah. but you, you need a roof over your head, right? And so senior, the demographics of this country show us or this of the US show us that more and more folks are aging, mm-hmm. right? And so the senior, senior housing is, if you do it right, it, it's almost a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have, have stepped on landmines over the last couple of years in senior because they thought just because they knew how to acquire and run multifamily that they knew how to do senior housing. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Senior housing is as much of an operating business as it is a real estate business. So my advice to anybody who's looking at senior is, yes, the real estate needs to make sense, but make sure your operator knows mm-hmm. the space because the margins, if you don't if you don't operate senior correctly, you're going to blow your margins and the mm-hmm. real estate might make all the sense in the world, but you're going to lose money on the actual operation. Mm-hmm. But we like to partner, I should say, with operators who we feel kind of have a secret sauce as adding, when it comes to adding value mm-hmm. to the deal. Mm-hmm. We, we're not buying a market saying our guy is smarter than everybody else. And so therefore his apartment building is going to mm-hmm. go up more than everybody else's. That worked well to your point earlier, when you talked about low interest rates, that worked well in a very low interest rate environment. You could buy Nashville, you could buy Austin, you could buy certain cities. And if you did okay, you were going to do really okay. Mm-hmm. That's changed. So currently we are partnering with an operator who focuses on tax abatement multifamily. Tax abatement works really well where I happen to be located in Texas. I'm in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Texas is notorious notorious for high property taxes, mm-hmm. but also a, sh- a shortage of workforce affordable housing. So this is middle income stuff we're talking about. We're mm-hmm. not talking about you know the guy working at the oil field. We're talking mm-hmm. about policemen, teachers, firemen, med students. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a shortage of that kind of housing. And by working with housing authorities and agreeing to rent restricts or income restrict in some cases, generally 50% of the units in an apartment building to 80% of the area median income, we end up getting a 99-year property tax abatement. Wow. So think about it for a second. Let's say the last deal we just did is in Dallas-Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Average income for a family of four in DFW is $100,000. So if if we get to 80% of that, that's $80,000. The majority of the tenants in the building were already at 80,000. So it's not like you're kicking a bunch of people out to mm-hmm. move more people in. Most mm-hmm. people qualify at 80%. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to save a million dollars a year in property taxes by working with a local housing authority. So a property that we bought that was valued at $70 million without the tax abatement became an $84 million property on day one. So our cap rate was four going in and it was six and a half wow. with the tax abatement. Mm-hmm. And it's a 99 year tax abatement and it's transferable to the next guy. Mm-hmm. So you can hold it for five or six or seven years and sell it and they still have 90 plus years of tax abatement. And then when we look at senior housing, we're working with an operator who's been in that space for a very long time. Senior is very fragmented. Mm-hmm. We're not buying you know the stuff that KKR or BlackRock or Blackstone mm-hmm. or, or big operator wants. We're buying from mom and pop operators. They typically own a couple of facilities. They're in their 60s or 70s. They don't have an exit strategy. Their kids don't want to take the business over because it's a very tough business to run. And they don't necessarily run their their businesses as efficiently as they maybe they could because they only own a couple, right? So they're not getting great pricing on food or staffing or linens. Our guy kind of knows the space. He hangs around, you know, these deals. He'll wait for somebody to fall out, and which is happening more and more on a purchase. They can't get financing, whatever the case may be. He'll come in, offer a couple million bucks less than what the previous offer was, and he's winning deals. Mm-hmm. We just bought two properties in Idaho at a 13 cap that were 96% occupied in the senior space. Wow. We, wow. Again, we, we need that secret sauce to find value, and we're finding it in senior. We're finding it in tax abatement multifamily. And it's a little more challenging in single family rental now because interest rates have moved up. Mm-hmm. So we typically buy those in cash and then put debt on them. At this point, we're not putting more debt. We're not acquiring anything at the moment. Mm-hmm. We're certainly not adding debt. 
because rates have moved up. But mm-hmm. we'll we'll see if it changes over time. So I feel like the the number one income like output from this entire part of how you like how you focus on your asset classes, and you correct me if I'm mistaken, but I feel like knowing the type of asset class, right? Knowing what to buy and how to buy it, right? You need to have your formula of how to buy it. But most importantly, knowing how to operate it, specifically where the interest rate environment is so high, you have to know how to run the business, which, you know, by that means that you need to understand how multifamily runs. And you need to understand how seniors live in senior housing or have the right partners to do that. Because of the such vast experience you have, I'd love to hear one property or investment story that you have from your history that you think is worth sharing because the story is so special. What I can say, and it goes back to what I said earlier, is you know, and I learned this phrase, and I, I don't think Lou came up with it, but when I was with Bernstein, I was in the elevator with Lou Sanders, mm-hmm. who at that was the chief investment officer for Bernstein. And this is before Bernstein became Alliance Bernstein. I was working on Sixth Avenue in New York. And Lou said, uh, you know, the most dangerous words in investing this time is different. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who was, a you know, he, one, one of the most well-regarded value investors, I think, in the history of, of value investing. Mm-hmm. And the thesis that Bernstein always stuck to was, and sometimes it didn't work out, but they did their research. And if they believed in their research, they held on to things. They didn't care what the market said. And if they really liked it, they added more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's good for life in general. You know, you, do your research, believe in your thesis. If you don't believe in your thesis, then it's time to pull the mm-hmm. report and walk away. Don't mm-hmm. look back. Don't get emotional about it. Mm-hmm. But don't, you know, we, we've, how many bubbles have we all seen burst? You know, and how many times do we invest with fear of missing out? Mm-hmm. So, you know, stick to your research, have a thesis, realize that you're not always going to be right, but that's okay when you're wrong, be ready to, to, to move on. And if you believe in something, buy more of it. Um, great. So here's the time for a shameless plug. If uh, you specifically or Alpha Investing is looking for anything today, nowadays, or you're opening a new offering, a new deal, um, and you want to raise capital for, that's the time. Cool. Well, thank you for that. So I, uh, because this is shameless, I'm going to touch upon all of those. Go ahead. Alpha is, over the next couple of months, we're going to bring a couple more tax abatement multifamily out. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's looking to get into multi, these are fairly low risk because the value of the properties go up you know, 20 to 25% with the tax abatement. Mm-hmm. We get fixed rate debt on them and 60 to 80% of the depreciation gets pulled into, for, into, into year one. So if somebody has a bunch of K-1 income somewhere else and they're looking to offset that, these are great deals because of the accelerated depreciation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If anybody's interested in tax abatement multi or senior, you know, please get in contact with me. I'd love to talk to you and see if we're a potential fit. Alpha is always looking for operators folks, again, who are doing something with a twist. You know, We're not looking for folks who are right down the middle of the fairway. We want to know that the value in the deal is baked in even before we move forward and we're not relying on you know demographics or people moving to an area, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So if you're an operator, kind of fits that bill and something that is a need and not a want, we'd love to talk to you because right now we've got three or four operators on our platform and in a perfect world, we'll add one or two. Mm-hmm. And then generally, you know, we're always looking to talk to families, high net worth folks, smaller RIAs, smaller endowments, anybody who understands that real estate should be part of their overall asset allocation. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for a shop that does a ton of due diligence, is very transparent. There's nine of us. 
We're always available. We, you know, the, the, the founders, the principals will always get on a phone with you. We've built a pretty good back office. So when it comes mm-hmm. to our data rooms and our website, almost every, all the information you need is right there. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, if you want a shop that's going to talk to you, that's doing interesting deals, focuses on downside protection, mm-hmm. we'd love to have a conversation. So that's, that's, that's my shameless pitch. I love it. I love the same the shameless pitch. Rich Bachner, thank you so much for being in our show, for being in my show and for answering all the great questions. It's been really valuable. Thank you for joining us. Check out more episodes on the Dealmakers podcast available on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, and Agora's website at agorareal.com slash podcast. See you in the next episode.